1: Welcome
2: to Maren Talks Money, the podcast in which people who know the markets explain the markets. I'm Maren Somerset-Webb. Now, this week, we are focusing on the one thing I know you all care about most, housing and mortgages. And for that topic, because it's so important, we are bringing in one of Bloomberg's best on the subject, Neil Callanan, who has written about the real estate and the mortgage market for more than 20 years. That's several cycles worth, Neil. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Now, and also you have a special treat this week, something slightly different. Instead of keeping the wonderful John Stepek just to five minutes at the top of the episode, we are yielding to pressure from all of you and letting him stick around for the whole thing. You can let me know later whether you think that is a good thing or not. Thanks, John.
3: I see that email my mum sent in. What, then? That's good. I like (laughs) that. Yeah, do you know what? You could ask her to
2: stop sending it. (laughs) (laughs) 20 times is enough. (laughs) That's it, Mum. That's it. Right, now we are going to start with some stories of misery because they may be coming. More may be coming. And Neil, Neil, tell us, explain to us just how bad things can get when house prices start falling
0: uh so i'm irish uh, obviously from the accent and uh in Ireland we had the perfect combination of a falling economy and rising interest rates in the last crash which really compounded the property downturn so in my own case my flat had been worked about 375 it was a two bed in a not great suburb of dublin and uh i actually felt that was way too much and i looked into renting but to rent a, a similar property in the city center would cost twice as much and I figured they'll never fall 50%. I think they're going to fall a bit, but they'll never fall 50%. And two years after that, it was worth 72000 And really, only about two years ago did it get back to what it had been worth when I bought it, mm. not what it was worth. It still worth probably one hundred seventy five grand less than the peak. And that's how bad property... Prices can get when you go into a downturn at the same time as when interest rates are hiking because the interest rate hikes mean fewer people are out there to actually buy it and that can accelerate the declines. So
2: you eventually got out evens in nominal terms, but you'll have lost quite a lot of money in real terms.
0: Absolutely. It was quite frustrating having to send money home every month for an apartment that I could barely live in, obviously, because I was living here. So uh, that was difficult.
2: So the key key phrase of yours that I think we should all keep in our minds is it'll never fall 50%. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I mean, I don't see property prices in the UK falling 50%, but I do think they will fall a lot. And I think they will fall more than people expect. Um, You know, you you see this constant effort uh, from people in the industry, the vested uh, interests, to kind of portray every single bit of kind of okay news is sign the bottom is in the bottom is in. And of course, it's quite the opposite. We're actually just at the beginning of what's going to be a very interesting journey to see what actually happens. And the idea that nine months in that property prices have, um, you know, bottom up because right move, uh, asking prices rose is, you know, on one level hilarious, because if I did own a flat in London, and let's say it was worth five hundred grand, and I don't own a property here, but if I did, I could I'll ask for a million quid for it. I'm not going to get it, but my asking price bears no resemblance, in many cases, to my to the price that the property is worth. Particularly because estate agents have been promising people higher and higher prices in order to get the instruction, because there were so few properties on the market. So the prices. That many are being offered at are completely unrealistic. And you know, I live in central London, and there was a purpose-built flat complex near me, um, and one of the apartments there sold for three seven five recently. I was looking because actually, I wouldn't mind living there. The next one that came on, almost identical, almost the same size, very little difference. Asking price four seven five. Oh, don't buy that one. I mean, you know, but now what we're going to have to do is you have this big long pause until that seller actually realizes my flat is completely overvalued. And if I actually want to sell it, I'm going to have to cut. But you're never going to see somebody really cut 100 grand in the first one they're going to cut 20, and then 20 more, and then maybe five, and then maybe put it back up a bit just to make it look like you've cut it even less the next time. And, you know, these all these tactics go on. But this is the problem with the market in the next while, is you're going to just see a standoff between buyers and sellers, uh, and transactions are going to plummet. And it's going to be hard to get market evidence, but eventually in a few months, sellers will start to capitulate. And you're starting to see some evidence of that, I think, at the million-plus bracket. Not at the very high end but in the million plus bracket i think there is some capitulation happening and you're also seeing some capitulation in all those areas that the london people moved out to uh, during the pandemic and the sudden realization of actually if i need to sell my house or flat to go back to london the only person who can buy it is a local person and they can't afford to pay anything near what i paid and you know it's interesting to see that the, the fastest pace of decline is in the southwest of England now, which is Cornwall and Somerset and Devon. And then obviously everybody's headed off there in the pandemic and now they're going to probably have a quite a bad crash, I would say.
2: Well, this is interesting. I mean, John and I, were, there were quite a lot to unpick in everything you said there. But one of the things that John and I have been saying for a while now is that if you want to see the house price, that's going to fall the fastest. Go look for a big cold house in the country. Uh, they went up the most during the pandemic and they're definitely going to come down the, the most now, you know, because one winter living in Northumberland, the countryside. And if you're not from the countryside in Northumberland, you're coming back to London pretty quickly, pretty quickly. and at a hell of a loss. Now, um, taking on what you said, one of the things that always happens, and God, we're all old of the three of us, aren't we? We've all seen quite a few property <laughs> cycles. One of the things that always happens is this standoff between buyers and sellers, this sort of transaction um, paralysis. Well, the the buyers go, well, I'm not paying that. And the sellers go, well, I'm not selling for that. Um, So we're in that period right now. But if you look at the RICS numbers, which I want to talk about the latest numbers out on, on uh, the housing market, you can see that a much higher number of sales are going through at below asking price than is normal, Uh, normal being a market that's vaguely healthy, which is not this market. Um, so, 60, sixty to seven percent. I can't remember the numbers. It's sixty-eight percent on the on the latest numbers out today, going for below asking price, and a more normal number in a in a normal market is about is about thirty. So that tells us there's the beginnings of this happening. But John, what else is in this rather miserable report from from Ricks? Well, it's just
3: that thing where so the RICS survey is basically the agency and what they think is going to happen to the market. And um, oh, the key um, thing
2: here is that they're telling the truth yes, in the RICs. Yes, So mostly when you hear estate agents talking, they're lying. Now, we know that. They're <laughs> telling you what they think you can get for, for your house so that you'll bring your instruction to them. We know it's not true. <laughs> yeah. And they're telling you there were 10, but, 10 viewers when in fact there were none, et cetera. So we know what's normally <laughs> going on with estate agents. But on RICs, when it comes to the server, they're telling the truth. Telling anonymously what they really think, right?
3: Yeah, and it's surprisingly accurate. Um, in terms of if you if you take like I, I usually print a chart in the, my newsletter uh, whenever the ex figures come out. And it's basically, if you take their forecasts for the next three months and you advance them three months and you compare it to what's happening with house prices, it's actually really surprisingly accurate. The only time they've been notably wrong was during twenty twenty, but that's because they were proved wrong because the. Bank England made a massive intervention in effect in the housing market and interest rates. Um, and so that kind of stopped the, uh, the, the whole market from collapsing during COVID. Um, but yeah, so I suppose the other interesting thing about it is that we have sort of been hearing, like the Halifax house prices figure was, oh yeah, flat prices were flat in January. And as Neil was saying, right move, tried to start the year with a bit of good cheer. And the house builders have been saying that, well, they're seeing a bit of interest, a bit more than it was at the bottom but the REC survey today really just had none of that. Um the estate agents were even gloomier than they were in December. Uh sales are static. There's fewer buyer inquiries. Uh, which that, is that's, I
2: thought that was the most interesting yeah. chart of all. If you look at the there's a chart of um of buyer inquiries over the last couple of years and you can see that in you know, the first half of twenty twenty the line goes absolutely berserk yeah. going up as everyone desperately wants to move sadly to these houses in the southwest. Yes. Um <laughs> And now you look at it and you can see it is plummeting like a stone. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean,
3: so we, we had a massive mortgage shock in October and November. And there are some people who at that point would have been kicked off their transaction. And they probably are still committed to buying because once you get that far in the process, you're like, I really don't want to stick with where I am. But that backlog's probably already clearing Uh, now that mortgage rates have come down a little bit um, and mortgages are now available again. Um, And so you're probably quite rapidly going into that phase where all the people who still wanted to move have moved. All the people who can wait are now sitting there going, well, I don't really want to move now if prices might fall by X percent shortly. I've also had that horrible mortgage shock, but now rates are coming down so I can afford to kind of wait. Um, So, yeah, so I think that, I mean... It's that thing of you're starting to see that stalemate. And I think the thing is the buyers always think that time's on their side, but it's it's not because, I mean, if the Bank of England cuts interest rates, it will be because the wider economy is deteriorating. And that means that actually, much as I hate to say it, your job might be at risk. Whereas if, fingers crossed, we don't get a big recession, then there's no reason for the Bank England to cut interest rates. And that means that this is probably as good as it gets, or as close to as good as it gets for mortgage rates.
2: You know, you're not actually crossing your fingers. Oh, uh, well, um, yeah. which is kind of bad.
0: <laughs> I'm not superstitious. <laughs> no, right. Neil
2: is waving, trying to interrupt. Neil, Sorry, you don't Neil. understand how these podcasts work. You just talk over John when you want to talk. That's how I do one. it.
0: Politeness, oh dear. Um, I, I just think the January numbers all need to be treated with a degree of skepticism. As John said, we had the mortgage shock in September, but also separate to that people don't buy houses in january in december so you get a natural pickup in january anyway so you know it's again uh, people are reaching for that soft landing thing as quickly as they possibly can to kind of provide evidence that actually it's okay and kind of calm nerves because uh while people talk about real estate like it's an asset a lot of the time not no it's actually the most emotional decision in a way you can make outside of family and emotion play, plays a big part of it as does psychology. And so if you're worried the prices are going to go down, you're not necessarily going to be rushing out to buy a house because you're like, oh, my God, it could go wrong and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and that needs to, again, work through the system. And peop- some people have found comfort in interest rates where they are. But for a lot of people, that's just too high. And they're not going to be able to afford prices as they're currently uh, being quoted at, at least, rather than necessarily selling out.
2: Yeah, I would say one of the things that I always think of as a, a massive warning sign is incentives from the house builders, uh, you know, when when they really can't sell and they don't want to cut the price of a house because, you know, that looks bad, right? So you certainly don't want to do that. So what you do is you try and cover up falling prices and falling demand by offering people freebies. And we see this in every single cycle. You get the free kitchen fittings, you get the free bathroom. You're either like one getting a bathroom in the first place in the new build, but whatever. So you get the free bathroom stuff with the bathroom upgrade. And then and you get the carpets. And I think once you get free carpets, you know, all the danger bells are ringing. Right. Um, And we always say to people, if someone offers you a free carpet, you're paying too much for the house. uh, So you must definitely offer less for the house. Don't take the carpets. Offer less for the house because that's the way it should be. And then gradually over the cycle, the incentives get bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll pay your mortgage. We'll pay your stamp duty. We'll pay this. We'll pay that. And then just around the bottom, and this is the thing we tell people to look after, comes the car. (laughs) There comes a point when one house building company will start offering you a free card to buy their house. And I always think that's a little bit of a a buy signal. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think if anybody ever offers me incentives, I'll say, no, I'll take the discount, please. Particularly with mortgage rates the way they are now. The idea, in fact, that you're paying... For a carpet at four or five percent it seems a bit crazy. <laughs> <Exactly. to me. laughs> Taking out a mortgage I'm on Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, cars are a good sign that we're near the bottom. I'm not and
2: suggesting you should take the car. I'm suggesting that it means you can get 30 grand off the price of the house.
3: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but the other problem in the new bills, though is that those are the first ones on which mortgage lending dries up because obviously it tends to be if you're buying a new build, it is it, normally the first-time buyer, and it tends to go for that. And also, new builds are already overpriced, so um, you know because they lose value the same way as a new car does. Um, So, I mean, it's never it's never a good time for house builders because you know they've just finished building all these things at maximum cost, and then they're trying to flog them at a time when the banks are most wary of lending on those specific types of houses as well. Mm. Um, It's
2: interesting, isn't it? I've always wondered why. Um, Maybe maybe you can answer this, Neil. Why do you not have to pay a higher deposit? on a new build than you do on a second-hand house, given that the new build is definitely going to lose value in the short term.
0: Banks tend to look at these things especially, and it's it's based on your ability to repay the mortgage rather than necessarily the property, as long as they're happy with the valuation. But you walk
2: into negative equity on day one.
0: Uh, you absolutely do. And I think the mo- one of the most interesting things that, is, are, uh, that we need to watch for the next two years is to help to buy. And you know that has completely skewed the new home market. It's, it's sent the premiums on new homes rocketing. So there should be room for builders to actually cut prices quite a lot. Now, unless they overpay for the land, which is quite likely, Uh, but also those people who bought on how to buy are probably in negative equity if they bought recently. But then when it comes to refinance at the end, have to pay more in because the government guarantee is disappearing. So you're going to have all these people facing much higher repayments in terms of mortgage payments, but also on the value side in terms of the size of their mortgage, but also on a property where they've lost lots of money and uh, yeah, i think that's a trend that we're going to really have to watch for the next two years a lot of people will have made bad decisions they're going to suffer badly from it
2: that's interesting we've written a lot about help to buy over the years saying you know we don't think it's a particularly good idea for anybody except for the house builders and uh, you know the huge profits that the house builders have made out it. i find particularly um i'm going to stick with irritating for now but do you think that there's any good that has come out of help to buy
0: the, the one thing that it has helped a lot of people who otherwise would not have been able to afford to buy a house. So if you look at the English Housing Survey, the percentage of people needing money from family and friends in order to buy a place has shrunk dramatically in the last few years. And a large part of that is obviously lower interest rates as well, but I do think Help to Buy has made some difference there.
2: But it's helped them buy a house that is now going to destroy yeah, and their finances.
0: And, 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 and this is, well, it can destroy their finances, but it can, it'll only destroy their finances if they actually come to sell. If they can hold through a cycle, then they should probably be okay. Yeah. But uh, on the issue of help to buy, I, I've been running a, an ongoing graphic for probably five, six years now called Help to Boom, which kind of shows how every single time the housing market starts to turn negative, the government comes in and intervenes and does something to... To help buyers and support the market. And that's going to be another thing to really watch whether the government is willing to uh, annoy a lot of its natural voters uh, who uh, have gotten used to their house price going up by. 40,000 pounds a year and doing some sort of scheme to help bolster the market. But what is there
2: left? What is there left? They've done everything. And what we've seen in the, in the last cycles that we've lived through, they've been very small cycles that all, us, all of us have seen because uh, the government has stepped in really quickly with lower interest rates. And one of the things that John and I are writing about is, uh, you know, people go, oh, well, house prices have always come back. It, you know, it looks like a blip in the great scheme of, et cetera. But most of those occasions have seen interest rates fall dramatically. And that sort of sorts things out. But that is definitely not going to happen this time. We can't have more help to buy. What what, what can they do? Put in a sort of mortgage tax relief or uh, something old fashioned like that?
0: I I, I can't see them doing that. I just think politically it's unpalatable for them to do that now. But I would agree with you on that level because, like back home, just before the massive crash, you know, they cut stamp duty as the last kind of thing to keep the market going. And, you know, the government keeps on tinkering with stamp duty and cutting stamp duty to keep the market going. And it sends it. Up for a few months and then reality sets in you know these measures do not help people buy houses they help people who own houses uh, and so they become more unaffordable and then you have another announcement designed apparently to help home buyers but actually they are in effect they help the people who already own homes by sending the values of their properties higher i, I have skepticism that they can do it this time
3: but it's not that i actually think the political calculus has changed quite a lot i mean the 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 average age of the first time buyer is like something stupid like in mid-thirties now, um, the amount of money they have is massive, there are now what only, I with the last census but something like 30% odds of people own their homes outright with no mortgage at all, um, about 30% have a mortgage and most of those are people who are already better off than the average, so you have this massive um, sort of like voter pool of people who are incredibly pissed off that they can't buy a house. Um, and you know we we talk about the kind of you know the Conservatives as being the natural party of homeowners, but all of this happened largely under New Labour and the kind of Tony Blair, Gordon Brown government. Um, and at that point, by the this is not a political point. My point is more at some at one point it was a massive vote winner to keep house prices going up as much as possible. I don't actually think that's the case anymore. I think even people who own houses, like people who are older than us, I think a significant proportion of them are thinking. Oh God, how are my kids gonna afford a house? And so, okay, they've got loads of assets, but they're realising, well, I'm gonna to have to refunnel half of these half of this, you know, my, my pension and all the rest is gonna go on buying my kids a house. So that's not ideal either. So
2: I think also that people with no mortgage, people who own their houses outright, don't really care whether the house prices go up or down. No, I, I it doesn't don't make think any difference do. to them. Aye, you know, most yeah. people, if they they understand, if yeah. they haven't got financing Aye. on it, then the price of the house is by yeah. the buy. And uh, if house prices fall, then that doesn't make any difference to their net position. In fact, it improves their net position if they're, they're going one particular way. So it's, it's entirely by the buy. So that thirty percent doesn't make any difference yeah. to them, Aye. except for as you say, in the context of their children.
3: Yeah, and it's also. Um, I mean, and again, I think it's worth remembering this is a this is a global thing. It's happening everywhere. Um, and I mean, which is basically down to the fact that, again, this is all a function of falling interest rates. And that is what it fundamentally boils back down to. Interest rates spiked in October. They are improving now. But wherever they're going to settle, it's going to be about twice as much as they were a year ago, 18 months ago. And unless something insane happens which would almost certainly involve unemployment trebling from where we are now, then interest rates are not going back to 0% because that was a one-off, that was a 5,000-year low,
0: and I just don't see how we get back to there again. Mm.
2: Where do you think mortgage rates settle, Neil?
0: Uh, I think they'll settle above 4%, possibly towards 5%, uh, and anything above 4% tends to lead to price falls. So,
2: mm. And that one, so we've got an awful lot of people who are on fixes, because remember, a lot of the UK... Uh, People with mortgages are on fixes two or five years, but the majority on two years, right? So there'll be a lot of people rolling off soon who are going to have a very unpleasant shock.
0: The, yeah, it's going to get really tough for people this year. And uh, I mean, this is one of the things that might drive the price transparency is the number of people who suddenly realize they can't afford to own their home anymore mm. and may have to sell and trade down. Um, which is something we haven't really seen in fifteen, twenty years. Yeah, we saw
2: no forced selling yeah, in two thousand eight exactly. and no forced selling in twenty so, twenty. Right?
0: So I don't think the bank is going to like intervene and tell them. But I think a lot of people will just make the decision and kind of go, "Look, this, I can't do this." Mm. Um, particularly when there's so much general inflation as well, you know, and so many people are being squeezed in so many ways. They they just may not have the money to be able to afford a house.
2: And we'd expect a reasonable amount of forbearance from the banks. Presumably.
0: I think that will always happen now. I think politically they just the banks aren't willing to do that. Um it's they will find ways to extend mortgage terms or find ways to give mortgage holidays and so forth, and that's gonna be a trend to watch as well. Right, so
3: one thing that we haven't covered yet is how to actually get the best mortgage deal. So Neil were <laughs> any top tips for uh for people out there who are looking to remortgage just now?
0: I think the main piece of advice is go as, get ready as early as you can because mortgage rates are so variable at the moment in all the, in all of that terms meanings that the rate you get today may not be the rate you get in a couple of months. And you can always go back and change it. So get your documents prep ready, uh, ready and get them prepped early. And then you can start to, t- look around usually through brokers yeah handiest way people turn to but start to look around for the rate that suits you i think one thing people don't think enough about is whether injecting a little bit more equity can get them to an ldv where they get a much lower rate and so you do take a little bit of a short-term pain in terms of that money going out of your account if you have it money in your account these days not all of us do uh and then Using that to lower the 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 rate you pay on an ongoing basis, and I know many people have like saved an awful lot of money just from going from a ninety percent LTV to a seventy five percent LTV, or going from a seventy five percent LTV down to a sixty percent LTV. Um, so you know that that's something people really need to consider.
3: So that's just boosting your effectively your deposit, the amount of equity you've got in the house. Um, and I think I, the other thing is because we're recording this at the moment so obviously it's February and about five months ago mortgage rates spiked really badly and they have come down a lot since then so I think the other thing for people to remember is that if you're looking around currently the Best Buy tables are kicking around you can get like under 5 sorry under 4% for a five year fix for example I noticed and so suggest whenever you go into that conversation just be aware of what is out there and what is possible and um, but yeah, I think that's about it, really, and, and good luck.
2: Mm. The last time we saw big waves of forced selling was back in the early 90s, wasn't it? That was the, the last time things got really, really unpleasant, people totally underwater and having to sell at negative equity and make up the difference, etc.
0: And that was one of the reasons why that downturn got so aggressive is the banks were closing forced mm. properties onto the market, which oh, then yeah. drove prices further down. Mm. And I think they're worried about that as well. They're going to try and... I don't think the NSA mind a, a short, sharp fall, but I don't think they want a, a proper crash-crash. Well, they don't want I mean,
2: the reputational difficulties of turfing people exactly.
0: out. I, I think it's it's also worth reminding people, you know, a 20% crash gets us back to where we were in 2020. It's not yeah. it's not the end of the world. It's hard for those people who got affected by that. But if we go, you know, it's in, if you remember in 2020, a lot of us were saying prices were overvalued then. Well, they were. So it's like when you... <laughs> How far do you go before it's a real, real crash? And um, they did look massively overvalued. I saw a report last week saying um, on metrics that London and the Southeast is probably 40% overvalued. We're not saying they're going to fall 40%, but that's about the metrics. Why would show.
2: they not fall 40%? If they're 40% overvalued, why would they not fall 40%? Sure, a bit of forbearance, but that aside... The prices normally revert to a, a, a mean. They, you know, they yeah. go back to the correct valuation. So everyone says it's a horribly valued, but they won't fall that much. Uh, <laughs>
0: why? I, I think out, I think outside London, it's possible in certain regions. I think in London, the foreign money starts to come in, um, particularly with the weak pound, uh, and that's what makes the difference. So that helps the market find a floor, and it will be Asian money coming in to buy properties that look very cheap in their local currency it's exactly what happened last time as well where once you had a 20 percent decline in london prices in local currency for them it was a 50 percent decline so it made sense to start buying and they have obviously been some of the more aggressive buyers in the last market uh, another thing that might help bail out the market is a lot of private equity funds have been bailing out home builders actually for the last few years because the home builders couldn't sell the properties they had built and private equity firms and institutional landlords came in and bought up entire blocks at both discounts of 10 to 20 percent and so there, there comes a point where actually it makes sense for them to, uh, on a monetary basis to step in and start buying things so there's there's floors in london that don't necessarily exist elsewhere
2: okay so london is weirdly safer than elsewhere but if you had to make a bet on how house prices would fall across the country where would you go would you be a minus 10 person, a minus 20 a minus 30. clearly not a minus 40.
0: i'd be towards minus 30. Towards I've, minus I've said, 30. said minus 20 by next year but i think this one will last long okay longer so minus 30
2: um, plus a little inflation. So you actually are on minus 40 in real terms at least.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, potentially from the from the peak. Yeah, this is a scarred man, so.
2: scarred man. <laughs> I
0: thought I was
2: bearish. John's
3: on, oh, my, you're on minus 30, aren't you? I'm on minus
0: 30, but that's only real. You're, you're on minus 20 real. nominal, minus 30 yeah. real. The logic for it is this, and I think it's important to think about the, this. Um, inflation last year was about 10%. Inflation this year is expected to be seven percent, and then next year, depending on who you listen to, it might be two to four percent. So you're over twenty percent probably in inflation terms that at that stage. And house prices have, on top of that, already fallen four percent, and we're just at the beginning. So, you know, while my god is ten saying this, I do think that forty percent in real terms—I got to stress in real terms—is a possibility.
2: Okay. Well, I think we can probably finish off on that extremely positive note. House prices in the UK are only going to fall by something in the region of 30 to 50% in real terms. That's absolutely marvellous. Thank you both, Neil, John, for your um, (laughs) optimistic and positive contributions to this podcast on the nation's favourite subject. Right. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's Merrin Talks Money. We will be back next week. In the meantime, if you like our show, and that does not mean if this show made you depressed or not depressed, that's not it. If you like the information, rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast positively, please. Thank you to everyone who has done that already. We have some great reviews. And John, of course, goes through those when he needs to pick me up from worrying about the property market. Thanks, John. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 this episode was hosted by me Mary Webb it was produced by Sam Asadi. additional editing by Blake Maples and special thanks of course to Neil Callanan and to John Steppick finally let me remind you once more to sign up to John's daily newsletter Money Distilled which is excellent and occasionally drifts away from talking about property doesn't it John? Only very to. occasionally Very occasionally I think I <laughs>
3: mentioned AI the other day
2: Excellent and you'll get quite a lot on, on investing and personal finance in general as well. The link is in the show notes. You will not regret signing up. Thank you.
0: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
1: We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets